Right, we're going to talk some Super Rugby. Super Rugby Opiki as well is where I want to kick it off first, actually, with Tony Johnson uh, from Sky Sport. Welcome in, TJ. Great to have you on a Thursday as usual. Hey, Staffy. Super Rugby Opiki. Um, I was... I read a story during the week that women's rugby registrations have doubled since the Rugby World Cup win to the Black Ferns, and they still just get a three-round robin and a final. And I'm thinking, why couldn't they have done home and away? They don't need permission from World Rugby. They don't need permission from Sansa, Australia, South Africa, anywhere else. I thought that was an easy one. Yeah, what they've done, they've actually got the full round robin, then a semi-final, so it means everyone's going to make the semi-finals, regardless of where you finish on the table, and then a final. And the question's being asked, have they gone far enough? Um, I've, I've sort of said it before now, I, I would have loved to have seen the Australians involved, but yeah, home and away, to me, uh, if when you're looking to cash in on what happened last year, have they gone far enough? I think the consensus is that maybe they, they, they have simply have not done enough in this competition because because there's no question it has provided an, a step up that you've got the best players concentrated on four teams it's provided a step up in quality it's you know between the provincial rugby which is still a, you know we've still got some very strong teams but still some provincial teams really in a developmental stage so mm. the overall standard um you know is, is higher in this it, it's it's great some of the rugby they're playing is terrific the crowds have been good, particularly when they get the uh, the standalone games. Uh, the crowds have been really good, and so had the question, you know, have they done enough through Super Rugby Opeki to to really uh, cash in on what happened last year? And I think that the, the feeling is that they really have missed the boat here a bit. And here's the other thing that I didn't realise, and people out there might not realise. We tried to get a couple of Super Rugby Opiki players on the show earlier this week, and both franchise told us, "Oh, well, look, we don't have them in here till they they gather on Thursdays to get to play their matches on Saturday, and then they disband again, and then they come back the following th- so they go back to their normal jobs. So it's I don't know if half-assed is the right word, but geez, so they're still working." Um, and just come together two days before a game, play a game, and go back to work. Uh, doesn't seem quite yeah. right to me when they're world champions. And I know it's not probably not a fair comparison. ANZ Premiership, we're not, we're not world champions in netball. They play they play each team three times over over a longer period. And I'm not saying it has to match that, but a home and away would have been really nice, and it could have been initiated quite quickly. I feel. Yeah, I, I guess that just says they're still in a you know developmental stage of this competition. I mean, ideally, you want them all to get. I mean, especially if you're only going to play effectively for a, what a month and a half. Uh, they surely, uh, as a professional competition that this is supposed to be, you'd, you'd have some more time together. But I mean, hopefully, this is just, it's just a progression mm. from you know as time goes on. It'll happen, and as I've said before, I, I really want to see a crossover with the Australians or the Australians involved, maybe Fiji as well, and bring an international flavour to it. Because clearly, uh, you know, people always used to talk about, you know, what the crowds were like, etc. But, you know, the demand, the interest is there. 100% it is. I, I absolutely agree. And I've watched quite a few of them, absolutely enjoyed it. And it's uh, it's warmed my heart to see the number of people turning up and families in the crowd. Um, you know, families don't go to a lot of sporting events anymore, but they're making it accessible, they're making it affordable. And I do applaud it. Um, Super Rugby Pacific, TJ, the Highlanders look in a bit of trouble. 
They've conceded the most points by a New Zealand side in the opening two rounds since Super Rugby began in 1996. That tells you pretty much everything that's going on at the moment. You've, you've struck a rampant Blues team first up. Okay, that's pretty hard. Then you strike a, a wounded Crusaders team. And now you strike the, the, the Chiefs. So what chances of it uh, getting any brighter for the Highlanders fans? Uh, I know that they've got uh, some of their all-black power back. Uh, Shannon Frizzell, Aaron Smith, I think uh, is the group back as well for this week. Um, but they, they face a, a Chiefs team that are just going gangbusters at the moment in Hamilton. So, yeah, they, they're, they're in a bit of trouble early on. I, I think they can't get some games from against teams from elsewhere in the world fast enough. Is there, I had someone mention to me in the weekend, is there a, a need, a requirement to maybe try and balance out the talent pool across our super rugby teams, given that the New Zealand Rugby Union are the employers of all of these you know, New Zealand-based players? Can, would that be too much interference, or can we do something to help the Highlanders? Well, it has been done before. If you think back to the early days of Super Rugby, there actually was a commissioner, Peter Thorburn. And what they did was, I think each team had a a certain number of uh, protected players and everyone else went into a pool. And New Zealand Rugby kind of decided who went where. And we had that situation where they they decided they wanted to see Leon McDonald playing at first five for a while. So they sent him up to the Chiefs. And Blair Feeney got sent down to the Crusaders and all hell was raised. <laughs> so they have tried it before. Uh, it wasn't popular. And so they stopped doing it. I know people talk about a draft as well. I just don't know whether we're quite set up for that. You know, it, it, it's a great idea. It adds a lot of intrigue to the competition. I mean, we see the, you know, incredible interest in it, the through the roof interest in American sports when they're drafting the college basketball players and football players and so on. I'm just not quite sure we're quite set up for that yet. Um, but that would be one way, I suppose, of, you know, if you're the team that struggled, uh, you know, in the case of the teams, you know, the Cincinnati Reds that I follow in baseball, they always get a really good draft pick because they're really useless. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and that, that's kind of how it's worked, you know, that, that uh, you know, suddenly uh, a team that's been struggling uh, gets to sign in successive years, uh, Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg, you know, that, that sort of thing. So that, that's that's how the, the, the draft system works. But I'm not quite sure whether we're right, in, just quite got the right shape about it to, to do that in New Zealand. Yeah. But it, it just doesn't seem to get any traction. No, uh, and there seems to be an um, the adverse to change. Cause was, am I right in thinking what you've just brought up about uh, it was a semi-draft? And you could, I think you could protect something like 20 players. So the Hurricanes, for example, could protect players from Wellington, Hawke's Bay, Manawatu, and the Heartland within then. And then the other players went on a whiteboard, uh, and every team did that. And then you've just got a massive pool of players. And they went around and said, well, I'll have him, I'll have him, I'll have him. That would make amazing television. Well, yeah, they have operated on a system like that in the past, but uh, you know, it, it, I think just at the moment where it looks like um, the, the high, we've got one team that's just at the moment not performing as well as the others. Let's just just wait and see what happens. You know, the next few weeks, Staffy. I mean, we, we can't write them off after two, possibly three rounds, because we've got a lot of crossover games to come. Yeah, I look at I look at the games I've got after that. They host the Force, then they host the Drua away to Moana, 
and then host the Hurricanes. You know, they they'll be aiming for three out of those four, and maybe it's not as uh, horrendous as we as we all think. Because you're right, they've taken on three of the top teams in the competition to kick us off underway. The Rebels are taking on the Waratahs. TJ, I thought the Rebels were pretty damn good last week. Uh, yeah, this is the game against the Hurricanes. Yeah, yeah, a lot, and, and I know yeah. I know they were at home, but they seem to roll their sleeves up, and I, even though they lost, I think they'll take heart from that. Yeah, I think they will too. Um, yeah, there were a couple of interesting things that happened in that game. I, you know, I, we saw um, Tavita Mafaleo getting yellow carded for an illegal clean out. Um, you know, the Rebels scored a try right at the beginning of the game uh, when we saw almost exactly the same thing happen. Jordy yep. Barrett was defending the line, got one right in the face, and nothing was done about it. That try should probably have been ruled out. Um, and then you had a, a situation where Gordon got the bloke with the mullet, got the runaway try. He scored one metre in from the corner, and Reese Hodge converted it from five metres in from touch. So they might have had a couple of little breaks that helped to close the game up. And, of course, the, the business with Artie Savir as well. But uh, they were feisty. And I actually really, when the, I didn't much like the, the aftermatch, the aftermath, I should say, the consequence of it. But seeing things getting a bit feisty just before half time, I, I quite fun really and and they'll they'll take some heart from that but they were competitive Adi Savia moment and I'm with you it's a combat sport without throwing punches and it's heat of the moment um he shouldn't have done it he can't he did all he could after the match to apologize for it um I don't think I've ever seen anyone apologize more for something uh, I think other players might have just said look it's heat of the battle move on but he apologized he told us about his dad giving him a serve and they've slapped a one-week ban on a bloke that didn't even throw a punch or look like it. Well, you know, you go back to the root of it all. I don't think he should have even been yellow-carded in the mm. first place. He got involved, and yeah, he dragged someone out. But did that really warrant a yellow card? I know that James Dolman had them on a warning, but but really, yellow card for that? And and that was the root of it. Everything that sort of you know followed on from that. So what they've done is they have given him a one-week ban because he was yellow-carded and then received a warning for something separate. And so they decided because of that, they would give him one week. Now, that's one way around getting you know, the, getting around the old, uh, you know, contrary to uh, the spirit of the game or sportsmanship or, or bringing the game into disrepute sort of thing, which would warrant a more severe ban. And so what they've done is they've been seen to do something about it but not too much about it. And so in some ways, the, the judiciary is sort of dancing and playing the orchestra, at, 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 you know, in, in a way. Um, look, mate, we all know what a great player he is, um, what a great character he is, and generally sets a good example. But when it happened, I thought there's going to be, hell, you know, there's, there's going to be an uproar over this, and it didn't last very long. It, it, it's not a good look. I mean, a, a bloke drawing the thumb across the throat like that it, 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 there's not much you can do to misinterpret what that means. And mm. it, it wasn't a good look. And, and to his credit, you know, he did fess up, he did own up, but that it, image wasn't favourable. What, what, what this says to me is that there's still a couple of All Blacks who insist on doing that when they do couple a pungle. You know, the, 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 the haka that they first bought out against yeah. um, the Springboks. Um, what was that, 2005, when they introduced the new haka. Uh, so what happens now, if you see one of the All Blacks doing that in the haka, are they going to get suspended for a week too? 
Uh, mm. they were, they're not supposed to do that in the haka. I mean, that's been uh, made very clear that that was never the intention of that uh, that movement across the torso uh, right at the end of it. But but some of them still do it. So, you know, just watch that space. Does yeah, that mean I, that they're going to, you know, someone's going to get warned for doing that from now from now on? I still think it's not quite as serious as Jai Morant pulling out a handgun in a nightclub uh, in an off night from the NBA. No, it's, it's not. <laughs> yep. And I can understand why people are saying, you know, heat of the moment, they're warriors, things get fired up, um, but you've also got to be careful for the image of the game. And yep. as I'm saying, he, he did all made all the right moves afterwards, um, but in the heat of the moment, it wasn't a, a, a great look. Yeah, and to his credit too, I think he's, ta- he's he's got the suspension, he'll take his medicine, he'll watch the game and he'll come back next week and he'll, he'll have a huge game, which leads me to the Hurricanes hosting the Blues. That'll cop most of the interest from rugby fans. A Hurricanes team without Adi Savia, I think they'll respond, TJ. Oh, well, you look at the loose forward trio that they've got. Peter Luckey, who's one of the most exciting young players in the country. Duplessis Kirifi, we all know what a quality player he is. He'll step into that, that role, no trouble at all, as the sort of the, the leader of the loose trio. And Devin Flanders, who's you know just a real rip and bust, you know, go 100% all the time. So, yeah, I don't... I mean, obviously, you, you no one's going to not miss a, a guy of the quality of Adi Savia, um but that still leaves them with a pretty good loose trio. They've, they've gone all right. They, In the end, it was a pretty tough game that they had to try and win last week um, on the back of a very good first-round performance. So uh, this this uh, match, they'll want to kick on from that. The Blues, I thought last week, there were aspects of their game that Leon McDonald will be tearing his hair out. I mean, discipline against the Brumbies, you all know, that when you play the Brumbies, you can't give away penalties, especially over there, because they'll boot them into the corner and they'll get that line-out drive going. That was that was the obvious thing. Their discipline will need to improve this week. Secondly, uh, their tactical kicking was really poor in this game. They kicked away a lot of ball. Uh, some of those dinky little kicks, they just didn't come off. They kicked the ball back to the Brumbies too many times and, again, allowed to do the Brumbies to do what they love to do, which is dictate where on the field the game is played. And the other thing was, to their support of the ball carrier was just not good enough. And so guys were going into contact. There was no one there to, to clean out the jackal or anything like that. And so the Brumbies, in a lot of cases, just helped themselves. And they were really, you know, there's a lot of blokes in that Brumbies forward pack are not frightened to put their head into, you know, into dark places and, and, and try and, you know, rip the ball away. So... They'll, they'll have had a look at that, the Hurricanes, uh, and if, if, if the Blues can't improve their support of the ball carrier, then that loose forward trio that we're talking about, uh, their eyes will light up. But I, I expect I expect the Blues will. I, they should have uh, enough out firepower to edge, in my opinion. But, but to me, still, it's a game that could go either way. And, you know, it could turn out to be a really important game for both of those teams when you, you know, look at the final analysis. Yep, and, and the last game I wanted to talk to you about, and you've sort of semi-answered it uh, in a roundabout way, I thought the Brumbies, uh, the sort of five-point favourites against the Reds. But my question was, uh, the poor execution of the Blues, did it make the, look, make the Brumbies look a little bit better than they should have looked? Well, the thing with the Brumbies, they don't play a lot of rugby. Uh, you know, they, they, but they know what their limitations are. They play to their strengths. 
And if you play into their hands, well, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, Reds were a lot better last week. They were really disappointing the first week. So, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I, I, look, if, if the Reds play that well again, they're a chance. But if they make the sort of mistakes that the Blues make, well, the Bumbies will just help themselves. The health of the Wallabies uh, selectors, do you think they've had any um, any inspiration from the Australian performances so far? I think they will. Uh, you know, it's probably quite important, not that Blues fans will agree, but it's probably quite important for the credibility of the competition that Australia, you know, they've picked up an early win against the New Zealand side. Remember, they went for a while where they just weren't getting any wins. Um, and, and, you know, that feisty performance that we saw um, from the Rebels, that will greatly encourage Eddie Jones. Um, and, and so, uh, and that, that's got to be good for the competition. You don't want it all going one way for the, for the sake of the competition. Um, and, and, and so, you know, they'll, they'll take a fair bit from it. Um, I, I still think it's going to be a, a massive job for Eddie Jones um, this year, um, you know, when you consider the issues that they've had. But there'll at least be some cause for encouragement. Do you think, uh, actually, lastly, we talked in the, um, for the first hour, we sort of played a little bit of devil's advocate saying which NRL players should or could Eddie Jones target to bolster a wallaby side. Um, and do you feel like Eddie Jones might be able to introduce some third-party money, some external money to try and make a very sick Australian rugby coffers a little bit more healthy to encourage some players? And, you know, he's I said earlier today, he's like the second coming of Jesus in Australia at the moment. Everywhere he goes, the camera pops up and he's grinning and the crowd are cheering. He's such a talisman. Do, do you think he can do more for Australian rugby than, than just coach? Well, I, I, to me, I think that the answers to the you know the questions that are being posed are, are already there in the rugby ranks. The problem is, is that they're not playing in Australia, and mm. it's, it's guys like Karevi, um, Will Skelton, people like that. You know, if he could get his best players back, if he could get them to relax some of the rules and, and what have you, and get some of those guys back, and, and maybe they'll be inspired to want to come back because of Eddie Jones being there, I still think they can put together a really strong team. I mean, that's that's the problem. When Karevi is in the middle of that Australian back line, they're a different team. And if you can get a big guy like Skelton in the middle of the forward pack, you know, one or two other guys, you know, back from overseas, then I think, you know, different story. Um, if you have to pick the team from what's going around in Australia, only in Australia at the moment, then I think it's, a, it's going to be a real uphill battle. So uh, to me... I think he's probably going to be looking or would probably be looking more at the, at the existing talent in the rugby ranks that are playing out of the country, trying to get them back into the fold than, and then looking at making this, you know, and let's face it, they've made some terrible mistakes. They've spent an awful lot of money on getting rugby league players across from rugby and, and for every Lottie Tungiri or even Wendell Saylor or something, you know, you've had two or three busts and I just don't think that Australia has got the rug, the money to be doing that. Yeah, and they obviously paid Israel Folau a heap of money as well, which really dented the bank accounts. TJ, we've got a well, scoot no, though. No, no. He's no. the biggest example, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good man, TJ. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks for jumping on. Okay, mate. Cheers, buddy. TJ, wonderful man out of Sky Sport Rugby.